Hello all and welcome to the 27th episode of the Ocean Decade Show, a podcast dedicated to guiding you down the yellow brick road of this global initiative to transform the ocean, housed within the American Shoreline Podcast Network family. My name is Taylor Gales and I'm your host and tour guide on our adventure through the Ocean Decade. We are now a few months into the third year of the Ocean Decade. Time flies. I keep every month when I look up and try to I add the episode number to each of these and it's I, I can't believe that it's still going up and up and up and it's just crazy um and it's extra astonishing because 2022 was an excellent year for the ocean decade uh 2022 was the year that finally wore the crown of the quote super year for the ocean after that title was passed on and delayed year after year due to the ongoing COVID 19 pandemic um, but last year, in many places, cases were low enough, People, vaccines were widespread, people were able to come back together, ocean stakeholders could gather in person for significant discussions at the Our Ocean Conference, the UN Ocean Conference, the BB&J High Seas Treaty Negotiation, COP27, COP15, you name it, that conference was probably in person last year. <laughs> and, and last year was a critical point to make progress on many of these major issues toward accomplishing climate goals and goals of the ocean decade. So part of this episode today will be retrospective, looking back on 2022 and seeing if it fulfilled the promise of the quote super year for for the ocean. Um, And because there's no rest for the wicked, 2023 is upon us in full force. Hopefully all of you have uh, stopped writing 2022 on your notes and chat because no one writes checks anymore probably so it's (laughs) i used to always have that problem in school the first six seven weeks of the school year i'd write the previous year so i don't know if that's we aren't as uh we're more digital now than than analog i guess but but now that 2023 is upon us in full force we'll also be looking uh toward the next you know nine months or so and seeing what 2023 has in store for the ocean decade um, and we're continuing our tradition here on the Ocean Decade Show by featuring one of my favorite people in the engine, in one of the giant engines behind the Ocean Decade, Allison Clausen, a program specialist in the Marine Policy and Regional Coordination Section at the Intergovernmental Oceanographic Commission. This is the third time I've had Allison on the podcast, and I can finally say that I've met her in person. We aren't just virtually connected. Uh, we actually got to meet each other uh, in person last summer at the UN Ocean Conference, and, and thank goodness for that. Um, it's great to be able to have Allison back, especially for this episode, which is airing on International Women's Day. Uh, and I have to admit that this year's International Women's Day episode is a lot easier <laughs> than last year's International Women's Day episode, just from the coordination perspective. Um, if you haven't listened to that episode, definitely tune in because it saw me uh, crisscrossing across the globe to speak to five different amazing women involved in the ocean decade and getting their perspectives on on the decade. It turned out it was an excellent episode, turned out great. Trying to coordinate all of that was a bear, as you can imagine. Um, but maybe we'll do it again someday when I have more free time, as we always say. But Allison, thank you so much for being back on for a third time. And thank you so much for having me, Taylor. It's always a pleasure. And I was also so excited that we got to meet each other finally in person. And a huge congratulations, 27 episodes. Um, when I was reading through the the prep for, for the for the podcast today, I was, I mean, it's amazing the, the, the time and investment and effort you have put into this as well. Um, a huge congratulations, because this has been such an important uh, tool and, and way of getting news out about the, um, about the ocean decade and everything that's happening. And as you know, I'm always very happy to come back and, and talk about what we've been up to. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. That's really nice. And I'm glad that this is different than the day the day we first met, you had lost your voice at the UN Ocean Conference because you had just been probably talking for six months straight before that. 
I, I that's funny. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, I spent most of the time in Lisbon, sort of yes, whispering, loud whispering at people, and trying to convince them that it wasn't COVID, which it wasn't. Um, but you know, it was still that time when we were all still really, really. Well, I guess we we still are, right? But it was a very sensitive time. It was one of the big first uh, in person convenings um, as people started getting back into the into the real world and being able to to meet again in real life. Yeah, it's it's crazy that more than six months has passed since then. Um, <laughs> and that we're already talking about all the exciting things happening in, in 2023. Um, and I looked back at what we talked about last year and the year before, just to remind myself so that <laughs> I'm not asking you all the same questions. But last year, I did start with a doozy of a question, which is much more therapy-like than podcast-like. And so we'll just start there again. <laughs> so it's been two years since the decade is officially launched. And how are you feeling two years in? You know, are you excited, hopeful, still tired, probably? Yeah, we were just laughing about this in the office, and I promised I would not say tired. Um, no. Look, excited, yes. Um, I think there is, it's, we, you know, there's so much going on again, and it's it's been an amazing journey for two years, but we're still we're still right at the beginning, and there is so much coming up. So there's, there's lots of exciting new things um, that we've got coming up, and that I hope are going to provide lots of new ways for existing partners and new partners to really engage in different aspects of the decade as well. So that's making me really excited, because this community building is something that we see you know, from month to month in the decade and something that keeps us motivated and keeps us enthused even when we are all kind of exhausted um, sometimes because of the the day-to-day the -day work that's going on. Yeah, and if you're trying to help, you know, influence and touch every part of the ocean, you know, every conference that I see, I see at least one session on the Ocean Decade. I see the Ocean Decade logo everywhere that you, it's really exploded over the past couple of years. Yeah, it has. And you know what's been so amazing about that is at the beginning, it was the Decade Coordination Unit sitting in Paris who was doing all of that. And we don't have to anymore because we have got so many amazing partners who are out there as ambassadors, as spokespeople. People are coming to us now and, and you know, proposing these amazing ideas for side events at conferences and these different sessions and different communications tools. And that was always the aim of the Decade, right? To launch the idea, but to build this community that would take it on and multiply it and replicate it and amplify it. And I think we're really, really starting to see that. So it's been extremely exciting. Yeah, it's it's just what you want to happen. Have it take kind of a life of its own while working on the working with these principles that have been uh, decided upon and these, you know, this central coordination unit. But looking back just at last year, for you, what were some of the best moments and biggest wins, you know, personally and for, for your team? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And as you say, I mean, it's hard to believe. I, I, I was thinking about it. Actually, it was last weekend because it's school holidays here at the moment. And I was thinking it was last a year ago last weekend that we were at the One Ocean Summit in Brest. And I forgot I mean, about if, the One Ocean Summit. Oh, my gosh. I, didn't <laughs> I know. And it was like it was literally 12 months ago. And if you had asked me, like, if I hadn't done that mental calculation, I would have said, oh, at least 18 months. But, I mean, so, so sort of putting that given that context of how much happened last year, it's really, really hard to pick the best moments. But I would come back to, you know, the common theme of the best moments were moments when people came together. So coming back to what you were saying in the introduction, like it was the first year. 
that our very geographically dispersed ocean community could come together in so many events. And I know not everybody was able to participate in every event. And I know there were constraints and challenges and and funding and and, and difficult you know, difficulties for, for, for parts of the community to be in those events. But the events that, that people were able to be there at and that we could get some of that critical mass was so important. And so the ones that, you know, how, how could you go past Lisbon, right? I mean, the, the UN Ocean Conference in Lisbon in, in late June for me was just a... And we were also there before the giant heat wave hit yes. Europe Thank goodness. Yes, that's right. It was very nice weather, I seem to I seem to remember. We uh, we had a very, very pleasant, um, pleasant week, a light breeze and a Lots of sunshine. And again, I mean, it was a, I know everybody just sort of walked away from that week absolutely exhausted, but so full of enthusiasm and hope. And it was what, for me, what was incredible about Lisbon was yes, it's a, it's a UN, it's a UN conference, it's a UN process, et cetera. But there was industry there, or there was philanthropy there, there were NGOs there. There were so many young people, um, early careers speaking in all the events. And it was just so many new voices and faces in the ocean community. And again, many people that we'd been seeing virtually, right, for the last for the last two years. So Lisbon was incredible. The political support um, behind the declaration that came out of Lisbon, of course, we were thrilled that the ocean decade was explicitly recognized um, both in statements by heads of state throughout Lisbon but also in the in the final declaration that came out and that's given us a you know an even stronger mandate and legitimacy to to take a lot of the discussions and initiatives forward I think for me a couple of the other big highlights and sort of trying to work chronologically <laughs> through the year um, we had an amazing meeting in Rabat in Morocco, and I know you had Kenza Kalafi from the uh, Mohammed Six Foundation on the last episode of the podcast or a recent episode of the podcast. Kenza and her foundation hosted us in Rabat in Morocco, along with 18 philanthropic foundations to talk about the role of philanthropy in supporting ocean science and how they could act as key players in supporting co-design, in communications, in uptake, in capacity development. And that was, you know, that was a group that is so fundamental to being able to take risks, to incubate new ideas in ocean science. And it was, again, it was a, a relatively small meeting, but just in a meeting filled with an incredible energy. Um, and that group is now going to, well, actually an expanded version of that group is going to meet again in Monaco in June this year, hosted by the Prince Albert II of Monaco Foundation to continue those discussions. So that was a, a real milestone for us. Another big one, um, was Africa. We've, we've, you know, I think we've, we've talked in, in podcasts, um, in some of the previous episodes that while there are a lot of decade actions that are creating impact and benefit in Africa, we're not seeing that same level of leadership in Africa. And there have been some great advances um, in the establishment of an African task force, in the launching of the Africa Roadmap, um, in the Wyomsa Conference um, or the Wyomsa Scientific Symposium in, um, in, in South Africa in October last year, where the African you know, community again of scientists, of industry, of philanthropy is really starting to to rally around the decade. And then one last one, if I can, Montreal and the Convention on Biological Diversity, COP fifteen. Um, it was the end of the year. It was snowing. It was freezing. But we got a new global biodiversity framework through, which makes that's very different than COP twenty seven, <laughs> where it was hot and sandy and yeah, and we were all hungry and thirsty a little bit as well. <laughs> but just a little bit. But Montreal was a very, um, 
and hopefully we'll get time to talk about COP27 as well because there's there's a lot to say about that as well. But but Montreal, I think also for the decade, it was the first time we'd been at a at a CBD COP, you know, and also because of COVID and so on, there had there hadn't been um, there hadn't been uh, a COP since the decade had started being implemented. But we were there. We led a flagship ocean event, and we were really able to raise the the bar on some of the the needs and opportunities for the ocean decade to work as a framework to to generate missing knowledge missing, missing ocean science to work with um with governments at the national level to support the implementation of the new global biodiversity framework so it it's a you know it's still the ocean community but it's a slightly different part of the ocean community in biodiversity marine protected areas and so on so that for me was fascinating and a, and a really strong step forward into into some of that um, work around coastal and marine biodiversity and ecosystems so a bit of a, a bit of a yeah a bit of an eclectic mix I guess but all with that common theme of, of coming together and really advancing this this discussion on the on the role that ocean knowledge and ocean science plays in policy, in decision making, in 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 management. Definitely, and so I think my next question might be a little moot after that because uh, the question is: Do you think that twenty twenty two lived up to the year that title of the Super Year for the Ocean? Especially, I feel like it was especially hyped up because it had been passed on for a few years, but it. I think that it definitely lived up to that title in terms of convening and bringing people together to to think about these issues and to work on them together. But um, do you think that it lived up to that full title? I, I do. And I and I think there are different parts to that. And actually, the first thing, it's funny, the first thing I was going to say was that same thing, the convening, the community building. Um, in many cases, reinforcing existing partnerships, but as I was saying, in bringing new voices into into the ocean community. And you know, this is a this is where you know COP twenty seven. I think for for all the all the challenges um, with uh, with some of the logistic parts of COP twenty seven, the fact that there was an ocean pavilion at COP twenty seven for the first time ever at UNF C COP for me was just a, a a great symbol of that community building that happened through the super year of the ocean because we as a community have never managed to do that before and so a huge uh, shout out to Scripps and Woods Hole um, who who led that effort but managed to convene this community around it so there was that community building but there was also recognition again you know in um in 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 national um, different different national processes, different international processes. The word ocean, you don't have to search for it anymore quite as hard as you used to. Like it's becoming much more normal and mainstream as it should be when we're talking about these major environmental issues, when we're talking about these major social issues, whether it be food security, poverty, um, climate change, that the role of the oceans is is increasingly recognised. And I think that has a lot to do with the, the, the visibility that we generated last year through these through these different uh, different events and, and, and convenings. I 100% agree that, um, you know, we were, Sharm el-Sheikh is coastal. And so, and, you know, the last year's COP was coastal, this year's COP is coastal. I think that that helps too. Like when you're in a place that, you can see the Red Sea or, you know, you see these beautiful um, bodies of water and get to really understand the interconnections between land and water. Um, we should just, we should keep recommending that to you and FCCC and just keep that up going yeah, forward. That's a really good point. Yes. I'd never actually made that connection, but yeah, no, it's, a, it's an excellent point because it's often, again, that human connection, that visual connection that you can't forget about it when it's right in front of your eyes, right? It does make it harder. Um, is there, and this might be an extra spoiler, but is there going to be an ocean pavilion at this year's COP? Is that the plan again? 
That is what we are hearing, um, and oh, we great. very much hope so. We actually had just some discussions this morning with uh, potential potential uh, folks who are interested in joining in in any collective effort, um, and, and certainly we're hoping that, uh, again, our, our wonderful partners at Scripps and Wood, Woods Hole and others who are involved in that pavilion are, are going to be able to bring herd the cats, so to speak, and, and bring us back together around a, around an ocean pavilion. But I think it was such a big success. How, how could you not, right? Um, how could you not? I know. I I found it my home base uh, in the giant maze of of cop. I can tell people, oh, I'm here, and you can find me here. And then, yeah, this year I need to bring my recording equipment and just set up in the corner and talk to all sorts of different Ocean Decade people. That'd be fun. That would be excellent. Yeah, there was such a good uh, flow through of, of of different different um, different folks in that in that pavilion, and it had some of the best coffee and guaranteed bottles of water. So <laughs> guaranteed bottles of water. They helped me print something one time, which was very kind of them, where no one else would offer would do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> the kindness of the ocean things. community. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It says a lot. It does. So now that we've had a few years under our belts with this, which is crazy uh, to think about, <laughs> how would you, you know, if you look at each different year that we've had thus far and then thinking about it in terms of 2023 as well, how would you classify the different work that's gone on each year of the decade until now? Yeah, it's it's a great question, and I mean it has it has been different, and sometimes it's um, been very deliberate, and sometimes it's also been the evolution. Because again, this isn't just us, right? This is the whole community pushing this pushing this movement. But you know, that first year, twenty twenty one, when I think back on it, it was it was about a lot about visibility. It was about making sure people knew who we were, about want getting them to want to be engaged in the decade um, in terms of either the scientific community, other UN agencies, um, different governments and, and countries and member states. Um, and then, of course, all the, the partners and proponents who have put in, our, in the wonderful decade action. So we had a big focus on visibility, outreach, engagement. We then created this, you know, this sort of groundswell of, of, of activity and this, it's still that foundation of everything we do in the decade. But in the second year, then we were able to take a little step behind the scenes, I would say, and there was a lot more work um, on the infrastructure, on the processes, on the operational side of things. I mean, I think the team here is sick of hearing me use the word operational process uh, mechanism, but we need we need them. We, we need to have that structure in place. And I think we've... We've done, you know, if I do say my, so, do say so myself, uh, a pretty good job in making things a lot more organised and a lot more legible. And people kind of, well, I hope people kind of know where to go now and 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 the different pieces that come together. And we've also had some amazing partners step up and establish these decentralised coordination structures. So whether they be decade coordination officers or decade collaborative centers or decade implementing partners and our national decade committees as well, like these are partners who are investing time, money, human resources to, to basically creating these sort of hubs or, or, or sub-nodes of the decade coordination unit here um, in Paris that work around particular themes or around particular regions or at the national level to, to really help make this a whole you know, again, structured ecosystem that kind of makes sense and that really helps to achieve what at the end of the day has always been that 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 at, a, at, at once a challenge and an opportunity to have this collective impact. Because from the outset, we've been very conscious, and I think we've spoken about this before, we've been very conscious of this risk that the decade could just be a million different things happening around the world with the same logo on them. And 
it's something we, you know, we try every day to to avoid. And a lot of that is the infrastructure and the processes and so on. So anyway, so that was sort of the second year. This year, we're pretty much there on a lot of that. I mean, there are still things to be done, but we really need to, and we really want to start focusing on the scientific impact on making sure that we're supporting existing and you know our future decade actions to be able to achieve their goals in terms of generating the knowledge, generating the science and making sure it gets into the right hands, but then also telling the story about that science. So really working around the monitoring, the evaluation, the narrative, the, you know, how how are we how are we relating that scientific impact and making sure that all this amazing work is starting to get where it needs to go to influence policy, um, to influence resource management decisions, to influence strategy, etc. And I think what's going to happen naturally over time is, and particularly um, as we move into 2024, which will be the year of the uh, second International Ocean Decade Conference, which is going to be sort of a, a milestone moment in the decade because it's going to be a moment where we're going to take a lot of that um, a lot of that work that's been done in the, the the first three years and take stock. You know, first of all, celebrate the achievements, right? But also take stock of where things are at, and and really start to look at so here we are after three or four years of implementation, what is our collective vision moving forward? What is our collective, you know, aim? What are the targets? How are we going to track progress against those targets? And we actually have um, some, some initiatives that we're, that, that we're building at the moment that are going to help the community be a very much an active um, player in some of those discussions and helping to set those collective targets. That's uh, a little bit of a, a pre-announcement announcement there about the uh, <laughs> the, the, the next decade. Con- can you tell a little, uh, us a little bit more about about that? We can do a little bit of a pre-announcement. The formal announcement will be coming out very, very soon. Um, so this is, if you remember in the implementation plan, there was always this aim to every three years have a, uh, a major international convening, which would be, you know, complemented by regional convenings and other meetings and so on. But these this International Ocean Decade Conference Series is really a key moment that we do, that we are able to bring the community together and stock take and look forward. In, uh, in 2021, the Germany very generously hosted um, what was obviously, for obvious reasons, a, a virtual um, first International Ocean Decade conference, which was also made up of the, the, the seven Ocean Decade laboratories. The next one is scheduled for 2024. As I said, there was an international call for expressions of interest for countries to host um, this conference um, because we, we always want to work with a, with a partner country. Then we had some amazing offers and some amazing proposals and there was a very long and, and detailed process of um, looking at all the, the pros and cons of the different locations. And in the end, I'm very happy to pre-announce, not formally announce, but pre-announce <laughs> that the conference will be held in Barcelona in Spain um, in April in 2024. So stay tuned because um, it will be just, it'll be very soon that there'll be some, some uh, a more formal announcement with dates, um, locations, um, and starting to give you some some hints and teasers about how you can get involved. Because again, this is a, this is a conference for and by the whole community. And we will be counting on all of you to come to us with ideas for sessions, for events, for, for, for what you want to talk about at this conference so rendezvous in barcelona in uh, april 2024 it's all very very exciting i love it i'm gonna put a hold on my calendar for the whole month and (laughs) be ready to celebrate especially because like you said the the one in 2021 was was virtual and i thought it was a really 
interesting event, a cool accomplishment. I'm just, I'm so excited to be able to be in person. Because even the UN Ocean Conference last year, there, we talked about so much more than Ocean Decade. There was the wonderful sessions that got to focus on it and the, uh, but this is all Ocean Decade all the time. So that's uh, really exciting. Yeah, and, and the timing actually works out very well as, as, as well, because remember 2025, we're also leading into the next UN Ocean Conference um, oh, with that's, the very all... recent <laughs> announcement that, um, that that will be held in, in Nice in France. So we have, we have a, a, a perfect window um, in, in early 2024 to really knuckle down and focus on the decade and what it can bring to the, to the UN Ocean Conference conference in in 2025 so you know making that scientific input to the next UN Ocean Conference even stronger than it was uh, last time around in Lisbon yeah that's a great point too because yeah it'll be 2025 it'll be you know almost halfway ish when you think about it which is crazy so yep <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic um so 2023 is uh a lot then leading up to this event in in 2024 I can uh I can imagine, but where are we now with a lot of these these big things? You've talked a little bit about the Ocean Decade ecosystem, but are there any kind of broad uh, stats or um, descriptors you want to use to describe what this universe looks like now? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, we we just did our end of twenty twenty two snapshot, um, so we've got some pretty good uh, pretty good stats and data. Of course, it you know things evolve all the time, and we'll be adding new ones to this but currently they're constantly out of date you make these statistics and then fabulous (laughs) new things come up and yeah and then we need to add to them but where we are where we were um end of end of december 2022 we have 45 global or major regional programs across the the full 10 ocean decade challenges they are being led by partners um, in 42 different countries, which, you know, is fantastic. Um, we still, as I think I alluded to, still have gaps in, in terms of that geographic leadership, particularly from least developed countries, small island developing states. But we are seeing more and more. We're seeing that that curve sort of start to change. And it's something we're really going to be focusing on to, to accelerate that change. We have over 200 projects. So while the number of programs, which you remember the, the big pieces of the decade, are starting to slow down which is completely uh, expected and, and understandable and the that, yeah. yeah the way the decade was designed essentially because you don't want hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of those either but what we're seeing is an increasing um growth in the number of projects which is amazing because it means that the programs are continuing to populate bring in new partners bring in new initiatives build their own communities within their programs so we're up to we're up to 200 um 200 or 214 um, projects. Um, We've had over, since January 2021, we've had over 400 activities. So these are the conferences, the trainings, the workshops that have asked to use the Ocean Decade logo um, and be recognized as an official contribution to the the decade. We have 32- Including this podcast. Including this podcast, (laughs) exactly. You are in our statistics. (laughs) Which we're very happy about. Um, we have thirty-two national decade committees. This is again is is you know the wow. The, I didn't know there was that many. Yeah, there's there's that many, and 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 we're starting again to get some pretty good geographical diversity with a with a few new committees in in Africa, in Nigeria, in Cabo Verde, in Madagascar. We're really active. We now have some human resources in the decade coordination unit um, working specifically on this issue to both create that network of national committees, but also support them in their work and really trying to think through with those national committees what is what is their why why do they exist what should they be doing and you know there's 
in every country, the answer is slightly different, but we're also seeing a lot of commonalities in those national decade committees, influencing the ocean science um, agenda, working with national funders, convening stakeholders, making contacts and, and, and links between scientists and user groups. So I think there's, there's starting to be some really nice momentum there. And hopefully with a new publication we have coming out soon, we'll be able to really demonstrate some of those and convince some other countries to come on board. Um, IOC has 150 member states, so that's our target. So <laughs> 32 is amazing and we've still got a lot to go. I imagine one of those like, um, you know, fundraiser thermometers where you're coloring in the <laughs> as it yeah, goes up. So that. we'll get up there. <laughs> yeah, we should have one of those in the office. That would be very, very cool. Therapeutic. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then I mentioned the, the Decade Collaborative Centers, the Decade Coordination Offices. We've got nine of those up and running, actively scoping another four or five, um, particularly in some really interesting regions, uh, the Arctic, Southern Ocean, Africa, Caribbean, where we, we really need this regional uh, coordination decade implementing partners or up to 10 decade implementing partners at all are playing very specific um, and tailored niche roles in supporting implementation of the decade we have our fabulous advisory board which um, was uh, met for the first time um, earlier in 20 at the beginning of 2022 and had, a, had an in-person meeting here in, in Paris in May in 2022 so this is 15 expert members from 14 countries so we did uh, almost 100% geographical diversity there um, as well as five representatives of our of our sister UN agencies um, bringing in specific expertise that has this strategic advisory role and they've been very active um, under the the very um, expert uh, chairpersonship of, of Margaret Leinen of, of uh, Scripps and Vida Helgensen of the uh, Nobel um, Nobel Foundation have really started to focus on three key issues around resource mobilization engagement of seeds and LDCs in the decade, as well as Indigenous and local knowledge. So they've been a, you know, a huge support to the DCU and a, an incredible sounding board and, and, and provider of strategic advice. So look, there are many other statistics as well, but that is, you know, those are some of the key, uh, I guess, highlights of the, um, of, the, uh, of the ecosystem. We have 6,500 members of the Ocean Decade Network, which was formerly known as the Global Stakeholder Forum, uh, which, which has a, had a, a branding and name and name change. So we're getting, you know, we, we're getting good evidence of that sort of that individual engagement as well um, through these different pieces of infrastructure that we've put in put in place. Wow. Um, the things flashing through my mind with with all those numbers, too, is that in grad school, my research, I used social network analysis. And so I'm just picturing this map and that someone should do a social network analysis of what the ocean decade looks like to see all of that that would be super cool yeah i would love that if you if you if anyone out there listening wants to wants to engage with us on that that would be that would be amazing um because i think we have a we sort of have a feel for this but to see something that was yeah based on based on some of that data i think would be yeah as you say fascinating Ooh, okay we have a new idea let's do it um. <laughs> let's do it <laughs> so you said the theme, you know, of 2023 and leading to this next conference in 2024, and then obviously the next UN Ocean Conference in 2025, is this, you know, scientific impact and, and really understanding what what's happening. So what does this look like practically uh, for you and for the decade? One of the big ways we're going to try and pull this together is this new initiative we're rolling out, which is uh, has, the, has the very impressive name of Ocean Decade Vision 2030. And so what we really want to do is sort of look at each, break things down a little bit, right? Because the, the, the first couple of years of the decade have been very bottom up in terms of us putting out these calls for decade actions, the programs and the projects coming in. I mean, there have been sort of broad thematic priorities for that. 
but it hasn't, we haven't been in a position to really be able to do a very deliberate and detailed gap analysis to help us really fill some of the critical, critical knowledge gaps. So we're taking, we're going to pull it back to basics a little bit. And now is a great time to do it because we do have that foundation. We do have that critical mass of partners, um, energy. You couldn't have done it at the beginning. You didn't have enough partners and resources and yeah. Exactly. And, and, and we also had a very strong message and I, I think a very valid message from the community was do not start this decade out as a prescriptive action plan of what needs to be done because we don't know yet. We need to build that together over time. And so we, we want, we were very responsive to that in the implementation plan, which for those of you who have, you know, don't, delved into it, if that's the right way to use that verb, I can't remember, um, in any detail is much more of a framework than a, any sort of any sort of prescriptive action plan. And and I don't want to say that we want to create a prescriptive action plan now either, but we do want to try and respond to some of those requests, some of the advice from our decade advisory board, that now is the time to start setting a collective vision around the ocean decade challenges. So that's, that's really what we're going to be doing. We're going to be taking the broad overall ocean decade vision and breaking it down to the, to the 10 challenges. And in very practical terms, what that means uh, via this ocean decade vision 2030 process, which is, is getting underway this month, is that we'll be setting up 10 expert working groups, actually 11. So there'll be, there'll be 10 working groups, one for each of the challenges, and then an 11th working group, which brings together the representatives of the other 10 working groups so that we do not create silos. A master uh, group. Yeah, master group, the masters of the universe. Um, and essentially what each of those groups will be tasked with doing in a very participatory way is, is trying to answer the question, which is a very simple question of how will I know, how will we know when this challenge has been fulfilled? How do you know? How do you know when challenge number one around marine pollution has been fulfilled? What is the common end goal? Because the decade can't do everything right as well. And the challenges are necessarily quite broad and we need to break it down. And so we need to say, so what is the strategic ambition for challenge number one on marine pollution? And that's the strategic ambition in terms of knowledge gaps, in terms of data, in terms of capacity, in terms of infrastructure, in terms of resources and partnerships, and in terms of the end use of all of this. And so that expert working group has the somewhat complicated task of trying to almost do a visioning exercise for that particular challenge. This is what success looks like. And this is how we're going to measure success between now and 2030. Here are the milestones and here are the indicators. And that is going to be repeated for each of the 10 challenges. So there'll be 10 working papers plus a synth synthesis paper that really tries to set out, here is a collective vision for each of the challenges. And then the idea is that we can use that as a, as a way of saying, okay, so here's our collective vision, here's a gap. And then using our calls for decade actions, using our resource mobilization um, approaches and mechanisms to fill those gaps. So it's a much more deliberate way of constructing the, the science we need essentially through the decade. So the aim is we start that process in February. Um, it will be rolled out over the next 14 months and we will come to the conference in April in Barcelona we being the, the 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 broad group that has been leading this process, although, as I said, it will be done in a very participatory way. We've built review processes into the whole overall timeline. They basically bring that to Barcelona and take it to that next level of consultation and say, what do you think? Is this right? Does this ring true for you as, as a member of the Ocean Decade community? Can you buy into this collective vision? And if so, can you now take that back to your region, take that back 
to, to, to your national committee and start building that down to the next level. What does what does the, the strategic ambition at the global level for Challenge 1 on marine pollution mean in the Arctic? What does it mean in the Caribbean? And then use that to also priority set and use that to be developing the different initiatives and actions. So it's a huge undertaking. It's very easy to describe like that. Um, but <laughs> yeah, we are, yep. yeah. But we are literally counting on all of our partners to be a part of that process. So keep an eye out soon for the formation of these expert working groups, um, for the different review processes that will come up, and then be with us in Barcelona to debate and dialogue and, and, and tell us we got it all wrong and et cetera, et cetera. But be part of this process to select the, set the collective vision because it's also, I mean, I don't need to get dramatic, but it's kind of now or never. We also feel like if we don't do this now, it's going to be too late in the decade to, to, to shift course. And again, it's all about avoiding this dispersal of efforts and, and momentum over too broad an area and really focusing around a commonly um, defined and agreed set of priorities. So now that there was a lot of in-person events last year and the Ocean Decade team was crisscrossing the world, I think, to go to all of them. So what does 2023 event planning look like? So where will you be on the ground around the world? How many stamps in your passport are you getting this year? Well, as you know, because we saw each other very recently, we just wrapped up the the fantastic Our Ocean Conference in in Panama, where we were involved in in different events around maritime spatial planning, sustainable ocean planning. We did a, a an excellent side event with the the Global Fund for Coral Reefs and some big new announcements that they had coming out. So that was sort of the getting our feet wet, if you like, in the in terms of travel and and events um, for 2023. In a couple of weeks, we've got the UN Water Conference in New York. Um, which is really interesting because it's, you know, predominantly a freshwater community that comes together under under this conference. It's sort of the midterm review of SDG 6. But there's a really huge turnout this year from the ocean community as well and looking at source That's to sea issues. Yeah. yeah, it's been, we, we heard some of the numbers yesterday for the number of side event applications that came in from ocean-related um, ocean institutions or ocean-related partners for events around source to sea. So we're, we're part of a UN Oceans um, side, uh, side event that will be held there as well as a UNESCO side event looking more at the indigenous and local knowledge issues of water, including source to sea. So it's going to be, it's going to be I think, really interesting to, to, to be part again of of, of discussions with a different community, but that who are also interested in, in seeing some of those linkages across the land sea interface. We then, as I as I mentioned briefly, in June um, have the next meeting of the Philanthropic Foundations Dialogue in Monaco. So that's in in mid June. That's a that's a closed meeting, but it's it's one that's really important to everything else that's happening in the in the in the decade. So that's that's one that takes up a, a lot of effort and energy, but is well worth the investment. And then we have the IOC Assembly um, just after that. I think like literally three days after that. So we well, that's in that's in Paris. So we don't need to travel for that one. But it, it's a, again, it's a great moment to raise the visibility of the ocean decade in front of our 150 member states let them know what is going on and 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 start to to look for investment and engagement and interest from some of those uh, from some of those member states that aren't as yet engaged as as some of our, our current partners so that's that's up to june um for the second half of the year where we're, we're starting to strategize of course for for cop 28 in uh, late November, early December, and trying to think, you know, and this will also be, of course, tied to the question of Ocean Pavilion and and um, other opportunities, but try to think how we can have a really strategic impact. I think, you know, many people came away from COP27 feeling like 
actually, we were just talking about it this morning, that, you know, using that word echo chamber, that a lot of the um, ocean-related events, we were talking to ourselves a lot. And it's fascinating and we love talking to ourselves and, you know, there are still great networking and, you know, partnership creation and I don't want to undermine the importance of that. But it feels to me like COP28 is a moment where the ocean community needs to take a little bit of a step outside its comfort zone and start talking to some other partners in a more, you know, again, in a more proactive and, and, and structured way. It's really hard to do because, as you know very well, the cops are, 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 are chaotic, um, are, are busy, are, you know, so many, many, many. And siloed just kind of by the siloed. nature of how it's set up. Yeah, exactly. So how do you best do that? So we're, we're really starting to think about that now um, to, to, to really see where we can make the greatest impact. So that's another one, you know, partnerships are going to be essential in making that in making that happen and continue that momentum on the ocean climate um, linkages that have, have been built up so strongly in, in, in previous COPs. So that's, that's that for the moment. There are you know, numerous other events in the, in the second, half of, um, second half of the year as well, but still, uh, still working out the, the best way to, 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 to have the most impact, I guess, in, um, in, those, in those different events. But stay tuned. So there's so much going on this year. You're, I'm excited to see what the second half is going to look like in terms of travel. But um, and you've talked about all of the programs and committees and coordinations, everything that's been built. But when's the next call for decade actions? When are we going to keep growing this community? So the next call will come out on the 15th of April and it will be open until the 31st of August. So we're sticking with that same sort of schedule. And I can also give you a bit of a teaser. Um, the, the documentation is still being prepared, but we have discussed the scope with the Decade Advisory Board. So we have a good idea of what the scope is going to be. So we're going to be calling for programs that uh, respond to challenge number one about marine pollution. Uh, with a focus on the sub-themes of plastic pollution and nutrient pollution, which are two areas that we have a lot of projects and a lot of smaller initiatives, but we don't have those big program ideas. So really looking, really looking for those. <coughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. And we're also going to solicit programs on challenge number two around ecosystem uh, restoration and management. And there we're focusing on some themes of uh, uh, area-based management, including marine protected areas, uh, multiple ocean stresses, and ecosystem restoration. And that is also because, again, we have lots of smaller initiatives. We have fewer big framing programs. And we really want to start building that link and that support to the implementation of the Kunming Montreal Global Biodiversity Framework. So it seems like a perfect time. Uh, it is a perfect opportunity. Yeah, that's great exactly. building well, off. Yeah. Well, there's so much momentum and excitement. And in addition to that, of course, we will be going to all of our endorsed programs and asking if they are ready to solicit more projects. Um, we've averaged about 25 or 26 of our programs every time who are involved in these calls. So so let's see next time. But um, as I said, we're getting really, really good engagement and interest by new projects coming in. So the call documentation will be officially online probably on the 15th of April, the day we go live, but we'll be doing some social media teasers um, and other, other teasers on our website before then. And we were also asked our, our decade collaborative centres, our coordination officers, our national decade committees to already start working with their communities and start getting ideas coming up. So hopefully it's going to be a great call and some, some really, really interesting um, new program ideas coming through. Yeah, I'm excited to see some more of those big building blocks come in to help support all of the, all the other great ideas that are existing, but kind of that organizing structure will be really, really important for those key topics. 
So before we wrap up, this episode is airing on International Women's Day. So I wanted to focus a little bit on gender in the decade. Um, the the IOC team, almost everyone I speak to on your team is a fabulous woman as well. So like the decade has, has women and gender <laughs> entrenched in what it's doing. But why has that been a main focus for the decade? What, what great things are you doing on gender? What are some of the big things that are happening uh, with gender and ocean decade right now? You know, it's 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 fundamental to everything that happens in UNESCO and 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 in and United Nations generally. And so, you know, that's that's one of the the the, the founding tenets and principles that gender diversity needs to be part of everything we do. And and certainly in the decade from the outset, you know, we had uh, this this phrase that we that we've used from the outset, which is about generational gender and geographic diversity. So making sure that that is just something that becomes again a no brainer in in everything we do. Around of of based on the last global ocean science report from from 2020 that um, that um, that IOC produced, around 38 percent of ocean scientists are female. Now, that's a lot better than in many other scientific disciplines, but it sure ain't 50 percent. And so, anything we can be doing to increase um, the engagement. Of women in ocean science, um, and particularly women from least developed countries, small island developing states, where the the number is even lower than than thirty eight, we 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 have a mandate. We have a we have a an obligation, I would say, to 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 do that, and we take that very very seriously. Um, we've been focusing a lot on on this issue as we've been building out the different governance and coordination structures, ensuring again everything we do has 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 has, has gender equity built into it. You know, even to the point of when we do events and when we, you know, put together panels, we're always looking at at this issue. And there are so many strong female voices, young and old. And I know you had many of them on the on that um, that epic uh, podcast uh, episode from from last year. But there are just so many. And every time we go somewhere, we meet, you know, COP twenty seven. It's some just incredible young women from Mauritius and from Egypt, and who are now getting in- engaged in the decade. So it is it is fundamental to what we do. We have an incredible um, uh, program in empowering women in the ocean decade led by the World Maritime University, which has just launched a consultative stakeholder forum to, to bring together different partners um, in the decade uh, around to discuss some of these issues and to, to look at ways we can continue strengthening this. So if you're interested in that, have a look on the website, um, have a look at the, the, the program. We've also been posting about it on, on social media. We have some incredible postdoc research projects that have come through the the a recent uh, joint call that we did with the AXA Research Fund that is looking at the some of the you know really researching women's livelihoods in 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 coastal areas um, and particularly in areas where there's you know high high rates of subsistence on coastal resources and so on. So we're not only making sure that the the governance and coordination of the decade is addressing gender diversity, but we're getting, you know, research projects and science projects and knowledge generation projects that are starting to to understand and to look at some of the drivers um, and, and, you know, of course, the solutions, because that's what the decade is about, of, of how do we increase, how do we get that 38% up to 50% or higher? Yeah, let's another uh, board to have to fill in the, the gender percentages as we go forward, too. We'll keep on keeping on. So uh, I'm going to continue to ask you this question and it'll it, it's something that I'm fascinated to see how it shifts every year um 
to, to wrap up, has your idea of a successful decade changed since I asked you last year? Last year, um, I went back and listened and had to listen to my own voice, which I hate, um, but mainly focused <laughs> on your voice, um, you know, talking about the, the importance of uh, the success of the decade is tied to, you know, creating these building blocks, the strong processes. You've been talking about that for years now, apparently, we've learned. <laughs> apparently, um, so. <laughs> What do you think? What are you thinking about in terms of a successful decade now? You know, related to what the themes are for twenty twenty three, how we're moving toward twenty twenty four. Anything else you want to emphasize as part of a successful decade? Maybe that's a better way to phrase it. Yeah, I think I think you're right there because it's not it hasn't changed, but it's evolved, and it's like one of those layer cakes, right? Like as we get further in, then you you know, the the idea of success also grows and evolves and 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 you build upon and so yes i mean very much for me now a big next measure of success will be that collective vision of where we're going and really having that sense of granularity around the ocean decade challenges that we know when we can tick the box on challenge number 1 we know when we can tick the box on challenge number two, when we know that to meet challenge number three, this is what we need to do. I feel like, you know, that success of having a clear vision and a clear roadmap that everybody's able to come together even more than they are now in in, in some of those common areas, in some of that gap analysis and in, in, in really working together to fill some of those those critical holes, those, you know, those those things that we just absolutely need to to get done as priorities is going to me to be a to be a major measure of success i would say over the next 12 months but even even beyond that yep exactly we keep building layers and we keep understanding what success looks like and i think it's all based upon you know these common uh ideas and the 10 goals and we know broadly what success looks like but how to actually get there and create it i'm excited how these 10 uh groups are going to work toward it for each of the goals as well how we achieve success so it's going to be exciting it certainly is it's a lot of work but it's going to be very very exciting and i think as you know uh, uh something that has to be done and i yeah look forward to coming back and talking about it and letting you know how it's gone and and especially you know again being able to bring this to a to a broad public at the um at the april 2024 conference I know it's going to feel very like Grecian or Roman. We'll all be in a big amphitheater or something, and then we can have discussions. And <laughs> yes, we'll have to yeah stage. I can just imagine the the stage managing that will be going on behind it. But um, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, just leave your robes at home, and we'll stay <laughs> yeah, in. Leave, your, leave your togas at home. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, well, thank you so much, for Allison, for coming back on and and sharing a little bit about what happened last year and what we're looking forward to this year and and you know in the next couple of years. Um, it's always great to zoom out and to get to really understand the the framework of how this is all happening and how you're facilitating success for for this global movement. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. And thank you for making time every year for me to come and warble on for, for an hour or so. But it's it's wonderful. And it's, it's actually a really interesting, uh, interesting thing even to prepare these episodes because it really, your questions always make me uh, really reflect on, on some of these big picture um, issues around the, around the decade. So thank you very much for the podcast, for inviting me back. And I guess I'll see you in 12 months or so. Well, I'll see you before then, but I'll see you <laughs> as in the collective podcast audience in 12 months or so. Yes, exactly. You will all hear from Allison again uh, soon. I love, uh, you know, the start of near the start of the year having you on uh, each time. So thank you all so much. uh, And we'll talk to you next month. 